before and beyond crisis. What each of us can do to create a long-term ecosystem of support for all survivors. Survivors shared the following, quote, fully supported for me is having access to safe, affordable housing, a safe supporting job, and justice from the perpetrator. Also, a community that doesn't victim blame or excuse perpetrators' actions and holds them accountable. I want to be able to successfully support my three children in a safe and healthy environment and community. And I would need support to do this, end quote. Another survivor shares, quote, I would feel fully supported if services were in place to cover all of my basic needs in the few years after escaping the abuse. For example, rent, food, basic necessities, therapy, and other medical needs covered so I could focus solely on my healing rather than making ends meet, end quote. Introduction. Survivors need an expanded ecosystem of support. The problem. The U.S. has failed to build the infrastructure necessary to support survivors long term. Available support focuses only on the moment of peak crisis. The U.S. treats gender-based violence, or GBV, as a series of independent, short-term crises. As a result, our responses to the problem have similarly been focused primarily on crisis support and intervention in the form of police, temporary restraining orders, emergency shelters, and short-term financial aid. While these immediate crisis-focused interventions are necessary, they ignore the reality of how GBV shows up in survivors' lives. Survivors measure their experience of GBV in years and generations not merely the minutes, hours, or days of peak crisis. Moreover, by singularly focusing resources on these peak crisis moments, when violence becomes extreme, the immediate aftermath of a sexual assault, or right after a survivor has fled, we fail to identify opportunities for earlier interventions that if leveraged, could prevent a survivor from ever having to reach that moment of peak crisis. We also fail to identify and leverage opportunities to prevent further harm after the moment of peak crisis has passed and temporary relief has expired. Available resources are one size fits all, while the services and support needed are as unique as the survivors who need them. U.S. responses to GBV have traditionally been designed to support one type of survivor, a white, cisgender heterosexual woman with children, being harmed by a cis man whose ultimate goal is to leave. This one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work. Survivors who don't fit this reductive mold are having to contend with multiple other intersecting oppressive systems beyond GBV that impact their safety. Racial wealth and income gaps, threats of deportation, trans queerphobic workplace discrimination and harassment, and the list goes on. And not all survivors can or even want to leave. Resources that don't account for these unique experiences will invariably exclude large groups of survivors from accessing effective support. For example, 
simply sending all survivors a stimulus check won't be effective for folks who don't have access to a bank account. Instead, survivors need multiple options for how to receive these payments and extra support in opening and protecting a safe account. Survivors need access to a wide range of resources that they can choose from to cater to their individualized needs, not cookie-cutter approaches that presume what's best and ignore the complexity and diversity of survivors' lives. Available resources often involve police and the criminal legal system. The U.S. employs one main tool to deal with GBV, the criminal legal system. Survivors have no real crisis intervention options beyond police. And once police are involved, criminal cases move forward against harm doers, regardless of what survivors want. This limited approach to GBV creates significant problems. For example, survivors who rely on harm doers for financial security must choose between their immediate safety and potentially losing access to the financial resources they need to support their kids if a harm doer is incarcerated. For many survivors, in particular Black, Indigenous, Latinx, and immigrant folks, calling the police increases their risk of harm. Even if the police themselves don't cause harm when responding to a call, their involvement often leads to the involvement of other harmful criminal legal institutions, such as Child Protective Services and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. The criminal legal system is so intertwined with GBV responses that even survivors who choose not to engage with the police may still be forced to cooperate with them and other criminal legal institutions in order to access available support. For example, many Federally funded services require survivors to report to police or obtain a court order. This means that survivors must choose between accessing resources and, for example, risking their own or their family's deportation or losing custody of their kids. Entangling services and support for survivors with police and the criminal legal system causes further harm. And dissuades many survivors from seeking any support at all. Survivors need options that help them stay safe without involving the police or other criminal legal system actors. Entangling services and support for survivors with police and the criminal legal system causes further harm and dissuades many survivors from seeking any support at all. Survivors need options that help them stay safe without involving the police or other criminal legal system actors. The solution. We must build an expanded ecosystem of support for survivors that exists both before and after the moment of peak crisis. Imagine a world where policymakers consider survivors' unique needs when making changes to the tax code or designing loan programs for small businesses or one in which banks help survivors keep their money safe from harm doers through secure bank accounts with enhanced fraud protections. Or further still, a world in which kids are taught about healthy relationships and financial freedom starting in kindergarten. 
What if every employer were to provide survivors with paid leave from work to relocate or seek healing services, regardless of whether they have enough accrued sick days? Or if real estate developers were to earmark a certain number of units in all of their developments to be leased to survivors at below market rates? This is the ecosystem of support we can all build together to ensure that survivors in our communities can stay safe and thrive. One in which such a breadth and diversity of resources exist at all points of a survivor's journey, that everyone, no matter their unique circumstances, can access what they need to get and stay safe. This ecosystem requires all pillars of our society to contribute solutions from employers to lawyers, tech companies, private investors, realtors, insurance companies, and beyond. How we created this roadmap and how to use it. In November of 2020, we launched the second round of our safety fund program with the explicit goal of getting cash to survivors being subjected to the greatest levels of systemic harm and those who were most likely to be impacted by the compounded economic and health impacts of COVID-19. In terms of the demographics of our grantees, 41% identified as Hispanic or Latinx, 31.9% identified as Black, 14.2% identified as White, 11.8% identified as Indigenous, 7.4% identified as Asian or Asian American. 2.8% identified as Middle Eastern or North African, 59.1% identified as queer plus, 34.5% identified as not cisgender, 23.7% identified as immigrant, and 56.5% identified as disabled. In addition to getting cash to 2,163 survivors from across the U.S., we ask grantees to share what they need to stay safe, heal, recover, and achieve their goals. We also collected never-before-seen data on how survivors' intersecting, systemically oppressed identities compound their experiences of harm. We crafted this roadmap as the actionable complement to our data collection and analysis. All of the recommendations that follow are grounded in what survivors say they need. Throughout the roadmap, we make actionable recommendations for how specific pillars of our society can contribute to an ecosystem of support for survivors before and beyond crisis. To get the most out of the roadmap, we suggest reviewing the recommended action items for every societal actor that describes you. For example, if you are a banking executive, in addition to reviewing the recommendations for banks and other financial institutions, also check out the recommendations for employers and communities. After all, in addition to representing a financial institution, you also employ people and are a member of a community, local, online, or otherwise. We hope that this roadmap serves as a helpful tool for any and everyone interested in contributing to an ecosystem in which all survivors can thrive.